his grandson's brought him in and he's all strapped up. He has definitely done some dreadful damage to his shoulder. But he's they've a makeshift sling of a dirty old ratchet strap tied around his wrist, hooked over his good shoulder and hooked up to his belt loop at the back. Hello and welcome to a Nurse Outwear podcast. My name is Danielle Corza and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week we will meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of A Nurse Out Where. Um, I've got a, a really dedicated nurse who's gone out of her way on her days off, hobbling on one leg to uh, to come and be a part of this uh, this podcast. So I'm really pleased that she's um, she's she's dedicated, she's committed. <laughs> um, so. Uh, she uh, she started her rural and remote setting um, almost 26 years ago um, and completed her initial degree at USQ in Toowoomba, during which uh, she said she had several part-time jobs. One was an assistant in nursing um, in an intermediate rehab facility. And when funds allowed, she took each opportunity to do her pracs in the country setting, which included central western New South Wales, Mount Isa, um, Kingaroy, to just name a few. So... She made a decision to never go into the same place twice and this gave her a lot of exposure to different presentation while honing the skills of basic nursing care and assessment in a caring, kind learning environment. For her postgrad, she went out to central western Queensland. She was fresh-faced and nervous and straight out of uni, drove 12 hours to Longreach to find herself as the only grad of three who turned up. The first year she worked at Winton, Alpha and Barcaldon and she learnt the art of suturing which exposed um, and was exposed to things like the most horrendous wounds, um, like from picking knives in legs, uh, the challenging healing, um, the trauma of fatal stabbings, physical assault and some horrific highway and farm accidents all while she was still learning and practising. But she said she really enjoyed the welcoming communities and meeting new people. Um, and following the patients from start to finish through their journey through the health service. She enjoyed the busy social scene of the country pubs and casual dinners and barbecues. She talks of the quarter toga parties, the races, the sheep wool balls, touring and seeing the must-see sites, the camaraderie of the nurses' quarters and the experience to receive valuable information and tips from many of her colleagues of various streams. There was no segregation between doctors, nurses, operational staff, allied health staff, and they were all in it together. She stayed at Longreach for a further two years and then moved to Brisbane to experience city nursing and says it was a culture shock that she found really challenging. She was in dermatology and rheumatology and it was fantastic learning experience. She was flat out, heavy nursing, but also did really enjoy it. From there, she went on to Dubbo base um, and completed her midwifery, which she truly loved. And back in northwest Queensland, she went to Concurry. She relieved at Julia Creek, did a stint as the Adon in Dajara. And she said she had so much fun socially and work-wise with so much learning professionally that it was at Dajara 
um, um, on her own after experiencing a few scary moments that she decided it was time. Um, it was She was certain rural and remote nursing was for her. So from here, she applied for a job at Roma Hospital where she was employed as a dual registered RN and midwife and initially for a six month contract in which she thought then she might go overseas. She was invited by a cardiac drug rep to the local picnic races and that was where she met her husband. She was engaged 12 months later and then married the year after that. And I can see her grinning as I'm speaking about this. So that was a really a sweet moment. Um, uh, she said that was a great three years personally and of course professionally where she had the opportunity to deliver twins, which is something not a lot of midwives get to do these days. Uh, she worked in all departments of the hospital um, and even to be a part of five births in one shift, which I'm sure you were exhausted. Um, she went over to Kingaroy in 2003, um, where she was the only full-time midwife. They living 60 kilometres from town, she had a record for the most number of babies delivered by one person in six months. After, um, after a year, an opportunity to be a sole nurse at Wallambilla arose um, and they still had a house out that way. She was successful and she's been there ever since, going on 19 years. She says it's such a challenging yet rewarding role uh, with, no, with nothing, no one thing on the same day. Every day she's met with new hurdles and challenges, um, whether that be by the system or by the patient, but she absolutely adores her job. Fast forwarding now to 2021, she's got three teenage daughters who also have an affinity of country living and a sense of community. They're very much ingrained in the local community and she loves rural and remote nursing setting just as much she did when she started all those years ago. So I'm really pleased to welcome Emma. <laughs> welcome, how are you? Good, Danielle. Nice to be here. I'm so pleased you uh, you hobbled your way in to, to do this. Um, we're battling the technology and one leg and, you know, it's the, oh. uh, the dedication <laughs> of a remote nurse we're seeing right in front of us. Oh, it's just what we do. That's right. So, as you know, this podcast is titled A Nurse Out Where. So, from your perspective, can you finish the sentence, um, I'm a nurse out where? I'm a nurse out where it rains very little, um, where the people are resourceful, where the communities welcome new people, um, where no one day is the same and where the challenges of being rural, remote and country living makes us the better person. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really nice. So what, um, what sparked your interest in rural and remote nursing? You, you grew up rural and just wanted to keep there or tell me yeah, that I grew, story. I grew up on, I grew up on um, uh, well, my grandparents, well, had two sets of grandparents. One had cattle and farming and the other set of grandparents had um, sheep. Um, and we're always, we always lived out of town. Um, nursing's in my background um, on both sides and through various generations. Um, my great uncle, great uncle, great great uncle was one of the medics on the Kokoda Trail. So um, that wanting to serve others, I think, is ingrained in our DNA. Um, but as far as country nursing is concerned, um, the country people and the environment that I grew up in um, was really where I wanted to be or felt I where I felt most comfortable. 
So we moved to um, Queensland um, when I was around 12 um, for our education from Central West New South Wales and um, did all our education in Toowoomba, which at that point was a, just a very large country town that had a great um, reputation for good education for students. Um, so the cheap option was to live at home with mum and dad and go to uni. Um, being a kept student, I suppose, I was very lucky. And in that time, I was able to have full part-time jobs running at the same time um, with their assistant in nursing. Um, opportunity as well. So learning learning the, um, the bedside manner, how to deal with the difficult personality, um, how to speak people, speak to people, respect, dignity, all, all of those sorts of things that perhaps the, the tertiary setting doesn't actually offer. So I actually got hands-on um, experience with that. Um, when it came to doing um, the the prac side of things, we were able to find our own prac if we wanted or um, nominate where we would like to go. They would, and then they would, um, the uni would try to facilitate that. Or if you had no idea, well, they'd just put you in through Toowoomba or Brisbane as, um, as student nurses. So like I, if you're happy to go wherever, they were happy to take your name and they'd send you wherever. But I, I just, I just thought, well, you know, I could be in Toowoomba forever, so let's go and try other things. Um, and most of my um, nurses in my family, like further generations up, just said, you know, you can't, they, they said you can't get past what experience you get in the country setting um, with exposure to all sorts of things. Like, you, you know, you might go to a specific ward in Toowoomba or a specific ward in Brisbane, which is, and you hone in on that one speciality whereas in the rural and remote setting you actually get a little bit of a, a feeling for everything and a little bit of exposure to everything to try and work out do you want to specialize or would you like to be a generalist and so that's what I did basically and um, loved every minute of it was well I had great experience in every every single um, posting that I had I learned heaps the, the um, preceptors and facilit clinical facilitators were absolutely brilliant um, and obviously loved what they did in the in the settings that they were in. So I was very fortunate to have been linked up with those sort of people that had that passion as well. And then I developed the same. Yeah, and nice. here I am. And here you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. How, how lovely to be, you know, following a, a generation of um, health professionals' footsteps, you know, and, and doing your oh. bit. And yeah, that's incredible. It just happened. It really just happened. It really just happened. It was I was year 10, I was going to be a teacher or a nurse. And then I thought, now I'll do teaching. And then I got a decent, back then it was a TE school. So I got a decent TE school, which got me into nursing. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go down that path. And um, yeah, the rest is history. I'm pleased I did. I'm yeah. very pleased I did. Yeah, I don't correct. have the patience to be a teacher. Just saying. <laughs> Oh, I think it's a completely different skill set. You know, you've got to be oh. patient to be a nurse as well. But yeah, hats off to any teachers oh. who might be listening, but far out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh look, I, I I just couldn't do it. I don't. They don't. They're not paid enough. They're definitely not paid enough. <laughs> I think we're seeing that now. You know, the last couple of years with COVID and lockdowns and homeschooling, we everyone's oh. getting a new appreciation for education and teaching. And <laughs> couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. No. Wow. 
Yeah. Hey, so as as a nurse, you know we're bound by the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Board policies and procedures, which includes patient confidentiality. So just keeping that in mind, have you got a tale to tell or a funny story of your time working in rural and remote? Oh, I've got lots. I've lots, lots and lots. Um, so there's there's old ones and there's there's new ones. So probably the most recent um which wouldn't actually be the most recent, but one that springs to mind is a fellow that recently come a lot. I work in a in a, um, a community health setting, like it's an outpatient outpatient facility um, with some capacity for an emergency um, um, situations. But you know, we we would we would transfer out, we'd stabilise and transfer out as quickly as possible. But this fellow, um, I was just locking up, got a phone call, and he rings and he says, "Oh, Emma." Um, I've come off my horse and I think I've done myself some real damage. And this is a tough bushy, really tough, highest pain threshold you've ever come across and never goes to doctors or anything like that. And I said, well, what's going on? And he goes, well, I've come off my horse and I think I've done something really bad to my shoulder. And I said, right, well, you need to stay right where you are and you need to call an ambulance. Where are you? Oh, no, we're on our way in. I've already called the ambulance to meet me at the hospital. This is five o'clock in the afternoon when I knock mm -hmm. off. I went, oh right, well I'll I'll wait here then, shall I? <laughs> so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting here. And then his his grandson's his grandson's brought him in and he's all strapped up. He has definitely done some dreadful damage to his shoulder, but he's they've a makeshift sling of a dirty old ratchet strap tied around his wrist, hooked over his good shoulder, and hooked up to his belt loop at the back. <laughs> And he's got cow poo and horse poo and everything all over him. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, what do I do here? So, like, I'm in his shirt looking for compound fractures and all of that sort of thing. Do you need some pain relief? What am I going to do? And he goes, no. And he, he just walks in, sits himself down. He goes, no, while I'm not moving and I'm sitting right like this, I'm absolutely fine. I said, well, I can organise pain relief. No, 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 I'll, no, I'll be fine. I said, well, I'll just ring around the hospital and say that you're coming, explain what's happened. Anyway, he gets up to, like, he gets into the, the ambulance car he gets in there and they're the same thing. I can't believe, you know, like, there's obviously a deformity in his shoulder. You sure you don't want the green whistle or we can give you something strong? No, no, mate, I'm all right. Talking, 10 to yeah, the dozen he yeah. was and still does. Um, so he gets up to Roma Hospital. He's lying on the emergency bed um, and then all of a sudden he feels heat running down the back of his back. And the bone has pierced through his skin. Thank God it didn't happen here. Um, and he's got a compound, like a smashed, like literally smashed, ruined shoulder with yeah. compound fracture. So he ends up on two weeks of IV antibiotics, flying out, two weeks of IV antibiotics before they can do a, a shoulder reconstruction. He's seen, I actually saw him last week. He's got full range of movement back. Oh, wow. his horse. Life is grand. And I'm just <laughs> my god they breathe them tough out here yeah, so wow. that's that's just one here as I'm walking out the door <laughs> um but there's heaps there's heaps there's a lovely lovely little girl when I was working out at Jajara and that was nerve-wracking because I'd you know never worked on my own before um the doc, flying doctor hadn't come that month because it was too wet it was a dirt tarmac back then so RFDS couldn't couldn't land um, it had been raining, there was swollen, there was swollen channels. Um, so there was no ambulances in or out in the case of an emergency. 
they could cross hire the R the RFDS could cross hire a hire a um, chopper, but you know the the power of the dollar, you got to be very careful. You know, do I mm. or don't I? You know, get, to make that call is a big one. Um, so 180 k's from Mount Isa, we um, the little girl came in and she had cellulitis of the her inner thigh. She'd been swimming in the swollen channels and had staked her leg several days prior um, on a stick or something in there yep. and um, obviously had an infection. So eventually she came in, mum, mum not in tow, dad not in tow, no family members other than a little mate from school um, who was riddled with head lice, that little one. So anyway, I rang the RFDS and he said, "Well, you're going to have to. You're going to have to. There's obviously a foreign body there because you could you could actually feel it. Um, you're going to have to give some local and cut it out." And I said, "Well, one, she's 12, so there's yep. no adult here. Um, there's an infection in place, and um, I don't do that." <laughs> anyway, as it turned out, he goes, "Well, you're going to have to do it because we can't come. We can't come out, um, and we'll do it over the phone." So that was early telehealth, actually over uh, a phone. Yeah, that was my first experience of telehealth. Um, and he told me what to do, and we went through it. He signed off medical charts and all that sort of stuff. Went that, you know, faxed that through. It was it was like the support he gave was fantastic. And this massive, great big chunk of branch out of a out of a leg wow. like filled filled a little spacey jar. Um, I couldn't do IV antibiotics. I hadn't done cannulation back then. Um, so put on, put like flushed it right out, packed it, made it come back every day. Um, and she took she took oral antibiotics and she was great. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Never got sick. Thank God. But, oh, gosh, that was nerve-wracking. And her little friend, well, I just took the, that was opportunistic. She ended up being, um, you know, getting the head lice treatment and, she was great too. Got a two she for one deal while they were there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she came for every dressing and and I think with that probably earned a little bit of rapport with us and, and we weren't that scary. Yep. So I think for those little girls, I could, you know, it took one little girl to, uh, quite a few days to actually gather up the strength to say there's something's not right here. And then the other one, well, oh, she's all right, that nurse up there or, or that clinic's okay. They'll sort us out. Yeah, yeah. They're all right. So how you know, did you... Sort of how did you cope? What, did, what were you thinking when they said, you know, you've got to do this, oh, you know, you've got to get that. the scalpel out and open this wound? Like, oh, how, how so do you deal with that? Side myself. Well, in every, anything that's a little bit outside what I'm used to doing, I do have a inward, you know, I don't know if I can really do this. Is this in my scope and all of that sort of stuff? But if you've got that support, and you know that they've got your back, I guess, and you've got that advice there. That's what keeps you going, I think, and that's what keeps you moving forward and saying, "Well, if I don't do this, this little girl has a risk of going septic." Yeah. And yeah. then there's a whole world of trouble that goes with that. With yeah, it comes potentially worse. That and all that sort of thing, and that's probably a little bit more paramount now that sepsis is such a big thing that we really hone in on. But you know, back then that wasn't huge. You know, you recognised infection, but you didn't really go right on into a, a, a sepsis pathway or anything like that. But I guess knowing, and the doctor on the other end, if you don't do something now, she's only she's only going to get worse or she's going to get very, very unwell and, you know, there'll be all sorts of things to have to deal with. 
But at that same time, raining again, a fellow had um, had a few drinks and got hit by a car coming home, which was only two doors down from the clinic. And um, anyway, he gets brought in by by the the um, the Aboriginal support person that also happened to be the the um, honorary ambulance fellow. And uh, he brings him in and he goes, oh, Emma, like, you know, we've got a bit of a head injury here. He has been knocked out. He's okay now, knows who he is, blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, gaping great big wound in his head, intoxicated. And again, no chance of retrieving him out. I'm thinking, oh, far out. What, what, what do I do with this? At that point, I'd learnt the suturing. So I was able to clean him up and, and do all that. And while I'm doing that, monitoring neuros and things and trying to think through, what am I going to do? How do we deal with this? So as it, as it turned out, I ended up st like staying in the clinic with him and watching him like a hawk all night. And then eventually we were able to, the waters went down and with the ambulance, we were able to get him up to Mount Isa the next day. But at that point, like had he deteriorated, I would have had to, uh, we would have had to cross hire the chopper. <laughs> They, yeah. since, they, since, they since have a, a, um, a bitumen tarmac, so it's not a problem now. <laughs> but awesome. that, was, that was back in, um, oh, gosh, 2000? Yeah, it would have been 2000, the end of 2000 that was. So, oh. But it was at that point where I, that's where I started gaining my confidence because in the, in the ward situation, you know, you've got that back up there. The doctors are just there. The other senior nurses are just there. You've got a lot of team around you that you can ask advice of. But in that sole nurse situation, it's, it's your call. And yep. you either make the right one or the wrong one. So it's just, it's getting that gut feeling, like learning that to trust that gut feeling, which I think just comes with time. Um, and you might be able to put your finger on it, but if it's if you feel it's not right, it's likely not to be right, and you need to escalate further. So that it was trusting trusting your feeling and trusting yourself, I guess, um, and then gaining that personal personal confidence to think, well, you know, I'm I'm all right now. Like I I think I think finally I've got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So yeah. good. And I think, um, you know, you said that the, you know, that we, we then, you then got a sealed um, runway or an airstrip um, that could be all weather. And, you know, it's, it's not that long ago that that happened. You no. know, you think, um, you know, it's, we're not back in the days of horse and carts and that sort of thing. Like we're in a modern world with modern technology and we still have those, those struggles with basic infrastructure in rural and remote yeah. areas. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think, and I think with that, however, that's what makes us country nurses that little bit more um, resourceful and resilient. Problem and and learning those problem solving skills. Like there's many ways to skin a cat. There's many ways to help a patient get their optimal, um, get to their optimal well being, despite you know what what has transpired previously and. It's just trying to make it work with what we've got yeah. um, to the best of our abilities. But, you know, resourcefulness is a really, really big um, skill that you learn as you go. You learn on the job. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not something that can be taught at uni. That's something that you've just got to experience and, and, and um, work with 
absorbing from others, um, seeing how others work and then just knowing what's around you and, and pulling that all together to, to get a plan and then get the hopefully a good result. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I think, as you said as well, you know, trusting your gut and that comes yeah. from being resourceful and being resilient. Um, but, yeah, you get to a point where, you know, as nurses we join, we join the business of health just to be caring and it, we're, a, we're a feeling um, discipline. So yeah. when you start trusting your gut and start having acknowledging those feelings that you're having clinically, then, yeah. you know, that really has an impact on your remote health care, I think. Yeah, and I think um, for me, living in the community like that, that has its challenge, and that's leading probably into your next question. But like it, it it's um, it has its amazing um, positives. There's no doubt about it. But the challenges is learning to um, you become a part of your community, like they become your family, um, and then that protectiveness and that want to do more and more and more um, can be all consuming. So then, then there's the next skill is being able to separate work from home, which is really, that, that's probably what I find the most challenging um, is that you just want to do the best by everybody at all times and sometimes can be the detriment to yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's finding that fine line, really, and finding that, you know, where, where do I switch off or how do I switch off, yeah. um, which can be really difficult because I just I absolutely adore what I do. And I think the smaller the community, um, the more involved you are in everybody's care and the, you, you become a part of their family. You know, you're not a blood relative, but you're you're a part of their family because they need you. Yeah, yeah. Because they trust you, have that rapport. They know that you know them. They don't have to come in and say their story over and over and over again. She just knows me. I can get in and I can get out. I can be sorted. I trust what she says. She'll she'll make sure that I'm referred here, there, and everywhere. And if I'm not there, she'll ring me to say, "Well, where are you? You're meant to be here. I referred you." So, it's just that holistic care that I love doing, but sometimes that can roll over into keeping you up at night worrying, oh, didn't I refer them that way? Didn't I check on that? Oh, I wonder if they were right. I didn't hear from them today if they're a serial calling every day type thing just for a yarn. Yeah, so um, that can be challenging, but for the most part, it's just, it is the most rewarding job I feel that anybody could have it's not a job it's not a job it's not a chore it's um just what we do I go to work because I love it yes I get paid it's fantastic but I love it yeah so what how do you care like with those challenges in living in a small community how do you care for your own mental health what you know how do you how do you manage that Oh, look, I think for me, like, home life is so busy too that, you know, like, I've, I've got three daughters, a husband that works works a week away and then he's a week home. Um, my, my elderly parents are in Toowoomba. His mum's in Toowoomba. We've got family here, there and everywhere. So the opportunity to go away is always there. Um, there are some services that we can't get here that we do have to go away. So for the teeth orthodontist and things like that, we've got to go away. So that's an opportunity to go and recharge 
you, you go away and yes, you're really busy, but you actually do come home recharged because you haven't thought about work because you've had something else to think about. Um, you know, like I love socialising with family and friends. Um, you do when you go to community functions, even friends' houses, you know, oh, I've just got this question for you and blah, blah, blah. You do get that. You do what you've got to do and you say, come and see me on Monday or, you know, you probably need to go and get that sorted now. Do you want me to call you an ambulance? You know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. But but it's it's that, that sort of thing too that you can nib, bud, nib things in the bud early before, you know, well, don't come back and see me till Monday, I'm not interested, when they become something, you know, perhaps a bit sinister. So um, you just, you learn to roll with that, I guess. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But you just find time, you do, you, on weekends um, um, and holidays, uh, you, you do, like I always make a point, particularly holidays of going away, like properly, properly away and usually a good three weeks in a row so you've got a week to wind down a week to really enjoy and a week to psych yourself up and be ready mentally to go back so three weeks two weeks isn't enough a week definitely isn't enough but three weeks you're ready to go back to work so just being conscious of that and that's taken me a long time to actually work that out so I take January off every year four weeks in January so get over Christmas sort my kids out with school um and just have a bit of a break we go to the beach do that sort of stuff um and it's great yeah and then i'm right generally for the year hmm. well you yeah. can't you can't work every day what do you do on your days off how do you fill in your your time off oh that's usually fairly easy just with um grocery shopping housework <laughs> you know catching up on all that sort of stuff sleeping in reading novels like just really basic boring stuff to everybody else um but, but your normal stuff, your normal stuff. I've got the peanut gallery in my background and I've sworn them to secrecy, but anyway, she's offering her help. Um, so, yeah, just, just your normal basic stuff that everybody else would do um, and, and try to avoid work as much as possible. Um, probably 2020, 2018 through to 2020, any spare time was um, doing my master's externally. So that was, that was very challenging. I hadn't done external study. Um, um, hence the reason the, the whole Zoom thing didn't work. I've lost, <laughs> lost all practice with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had it down pat in 2020 and it's gone. Um, but, yeah, that was a steep learning curve, but that was really taxing because any spare moment I had um, went into doing assignments and, and research and all of that sort of stuff. Great. I'm glad I, glad I did it. Look back now and I don't know how I did it. Yeah. Um, but enjoyed every minute of it, learnt so much. But And, yeah, I, I guess I went to bed properly tired. <laughs> yeah. There was no insomnia issues then because I was properly tired. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you've, you've spent a lot of time living in rural and remote areas and obviously now you've got your family uh, living out there with you. Um, what might be, so it mightn't be a question for you, it might be something that your, your colleagues might mention. What are some of the things you might miss while you're living in a rural and remote area? Um, I think for me it was for extended family when they're unwell, um, that you can't just down tools and go. Um, can't always go, if my husband has to go to an appointment or needs to go away, I can't actually go, always go with him and vice versa. That's the challenge. Like we're four hours, four hours from Toowoomba, five and a half, six hours from Brisbane. Um, so that's not, 
that's that's difficult. Um, but that's no difficult for anybody else, even like you know, not working in the health industry. Like that's that's for those that can't access specialist services because, well, we just don't have the infrastructure out here or, or the numbers to actually warrant having that sort of specialist out here. So, um, I, that that circumstance is no different to anyone else. But um, I guess, and and I think with online shopping and all that sort of stuff, well, that sort of negated the need to go away to go shopping, um, and the little country towns seem to have really rolled with that. That there's lovely little dress shops and gift shops and coffee shops, and the pubs are all amazing now. Like I, I don't. I don't think living rural and remote is nearly as taxing perhaps as when I first started. Like I don't, I don't feel like I miss out on too much at all, really. Um, yeah, it's just probably getting to your getting to your family when the ships are down for whatever reason um, has been difficult. But I think at, you know Australia wide that's been difficult with the whole COVID thing. So I think everybody's through all that has probably experienced a lot of what the rural and remote people experience every other day, yep. which is is um, not a bad thing, not that COVID's a great thing, but, you know, like our families are important and our communities are important and you need to gather around and you need to support one another, which is what I think your rural and remote people do really well. Yeah. You know, if somebody dies, Everybody's there with meals. You're, you're sorted for meals for three months. You know, you, you can I do anything? Can I mow your lawn? Can I do a load of washing? You know, like there's there's so much with me breaking my ankle. The support that I've got is, you know, from everybody um, is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Like I just, um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm humbled, but I'm not surprised because. I think the further west you go, the friendlier and more um, encompassing a community is, I think. And regardless of, you know, what walk of life, like, you know, you, you know everybody's equal. And I, and I find that with nursing too, you know, you've got your, your hierarchy of how we work through Queensland Health, your, your chain of command. But at the end of the day, all of us are the same level. Like, there's nobody better than anybody else. We're all we're all working towards the common goal, and I think that's, um, I think that's what our city counterparts miss, yep. miss out on. They they don't know what they're missing because they haven't tried. But I I think having having done both, I much prefer that my boss can talk to me at the same level as I am, and 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 me to her. Yes. Or him or whoever and same with the doctors you know gone are the days where where the doctor's handmade and we're, we're, we're all equals because we're all we're all working to the common goal um it's just different people have different skill sets yep yep and, and so and you're working you're working as a team and you might be remote but you still have a team because you've got people on the phone you've got people on TEMC, you've got you know like you, you you're on your own physically but you've got people to you've got people externally to be able to help you do what you would be doing if you were in an ED department with everybody on site. So I yeah, I'm I'm still comfortable working alone. But I know that I'm not completely alone. So yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. and I think that's how Queensland Health has gone with all their 
or their little satellite clinics and things like that where there is no doctor and you're lucky to get one once a week depending on the weather and depending on what else is going on um, I'm fortunate that I'm only 40 k's to the nearest inpatient facility I'm very fortunate um, but when things turn pear-shaped it's so okay right the adrenaline goes and you, you fall in <laughs> a heap, you. You fall in a heap after the fact yeah you fall in a heap after the fact you know the the deadpan face, I'm in control, everything's all right. Internally, you're going berserk. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hmm. So, look, what are your top three tips for someone who might be, you know, wanting to dip their toe in and, you know, considering coming rural and remote? What, what would be your advice? Oh, look, I just say just go. I just say go. You don't know. You don't know until you try. Um. I love it. I'll speak it to anybody that wants to listen to me. Obviously, I've got a thing with um, verbal diarrhea, I suppose you could say. Um, but I, I, I just love it, and I, and I had to force myself to go because um, I was a nervous Nelly. I had no self confidence whatsoever. But I, I, I truly think if you go, even if you don't like it, it'd be one of the best things you do because at least you, at least you know that you've given it a go. Um, and guaranteed it won't be, it may not be your choice, but you won't have a bad experience. Yeah. And, and those out West, those Western nurses love imparting their love, I guess, like the, their love of what they do, showing what they do. Um, and again, no one day the same, you have, you have the full gamut of, what's going to rock through the door like you've got no idea of what's going to rock through the door and you you literally have to wing it you've got to have the skills and all that sort of stuff but you just wing it day to day you just wing it and you develop resilience confidence self-esteem and you learn new skills yeah love it love it like you just can, ring me and that you can just ring me and talk to me and i'll um i'll encourage them to come this way or your way you're further out <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah look I can hear the passion in your voice as you talk about remote nursing so um yeah, yeah definitely it's uh it's certainly worth getting out and getting amongst it hey yeah. thank you for your time Emma I've, I've really appreciated talking to you and your persistence to to get this to come to fruition I've, I really appreciate it <laughs> oh that's all right I, I don't do public speaking very well but you know I'm obviously talking about something that I like <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're just having a yarn, so I'm happy to share yeah. it with everyone. Again, That's thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks Hopefully for we'll having talk me. Again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. See ya. If this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.